From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. The campaign manager for Republican Tara Sweeney says the campaign does not plan to sue over a finding released by Alaska election officials that Sweeney cannot advance to the special U.S. House election following the withdrawal of Al Gross. Gail Fanumiai, the director of the Division of Elections, cited the timing of independent Gross's withdrawal in saying state law doesn't permit the fifth-place candidate to advance. Gross placed third in the special primary and was positioned to advance to the special election as one of the top four vote-getters under a new open primary system. But on Monday, he suddenly announced plans to end his campaign. Sweeney finished fifth. Fanumiai said this week that Sweeney would not advance because the withdrawal happened less than 64 days before the special election. The division, upon you know consultation with the Department of Law, made the determination that because that withdrawal did not happen according to the deadline that's in statute, that the three of the four will now, three of the top four will now appear on the special general election ballot in August. The election is 54 days away. There will still be a general election for a new congressional term in November. The August 16th election is only to fill the remainder of Don Young's unexpired term. The remaining candidates for the election are former Governor Sarah Palin and Nick Baggage, both Republicans and Democrat Mary Peltola. Fanumiai says voters will get to go back to in-person voting this election, though they can still vote by mail. It'll be back to your traditional in-person elections with all polling places open, um, a number of early voting absentee in-person locations open as well. And And people can still vote by mail if they choose, but they're going to have to take the initiative and submit an application to the division so they can get sent a ballot. In other matters, the Division of Elections has determined that Republican State Representative David Eastman is eligible to run for re-election. Eastman's candidacy faced challenges over his affiliation with the Oath Keepers Group. Fanumiai, in a written response to the challenge, said a preponderance of evidence supports his eligibility. Eastman says the move was an attempt to remove him for his political beliefs. Fanumiai says the division received 24 challenges to Eastman's candidacy. It also received a challenge to State Senator Lyman Hoffman's residency. The division also determined Hoffman is an eligible candidate. Governor Mike Dunleavy says the state is leading the way nationally in mariculture permitting. He made comments on Monday during a trip to the Ketchikan Radio Center. Alaska right now is a leader in terms of... uh, permitting process. We have one of the fastest permitting process, if not the fastest wow. in the country. Uh, I think you're going to see mariculture take off. Again, like uh, like uh, land agriculture, I think you're going to see a more of that take off as well. But here in Southeast, I think the sky's the limit when it comes to mariculture. And beyond shellfish, kelp farming also has large potential, the governor says. Kelp, not just uh, for human consumption, but also to sequester carbon. Certain varieties do that. And um, animal feed. 
um, because some of the kelp actually, the, the, the data seems to indicate it reduces the methane, for example, in cattle. So a kelp, uh, kelp farming in Alaska, I think, is, uh, like I said, it's got some real potential, real, uh, real growth uh, uh, potential, and uh, we're going to do everything we can to foster that. Governor Dunleavy. One, two, three, four. We won't take it anymore. Five, six, seven, eight. Come on, you and negotiate. One, two, three, four. That was University of Alaska faculty rallying in front of the Capitol building Wednesday afternoon. United Academics rallied to advocate for the approval of a fair contract. The university administration offered their last best offer during federal mediation earlier in the year and was approved by the Board of Regents last month. The offer included a raise of 3%, 2.5%, and 2% through three years. The funding for the increase was then left up to the legislature, but no increase for full-time faculty was in the budget passed by lawmakers. Professor of Mathematics at the University of Alaska Southeast, Jill Dumansnil, is also the organizational vice president of the union for the Juneau campus. Dumansnil sits on the union negotiating team. She was asked for her reaction to the last, last best offer. I, I felt some disappointment that it was the last best offer and that they um, uh, didn't want to continue to, didn't seem to want to continue to negotiate, but, but we have continued negotiation since, since then, including federal mediation, which is ongoing. The union proposed a 5% increase to faculty pay, 3 to 7% next year, and 3 to 6% the year after. Faculty have received a single 1% raise in the last six years, and we want to uh, make it clear that that has, re has resulted in a 20% decrease in our, in our purchasing power. We do not feel like faculty are a cost driver for the university, but in fact, investment in faculty is an investment in the future of Alaska. So one of our signs says UNAC faculty and investment in Alaska um, because that's what faculty are. We, we educate generations of future generations of Alaskans to be productive members of society and um, our working conditions are indeed the conditions under which students learn. Duman Snell said a mediation session is scheduled for today. Meanwhile, a union has reached a deal with Alaska Airlines for a two-year contract extension that provides substantial raises for 5,300 gate agents, store personnel, and office staff, as well as for ramp workers who load cargo. The Seattle Times reports the deal announced Wednesday does not cover a separate group of about 2,000 ramp workers, also represented by the International Association of Machinists, who work for the McGee Air Services subsidiary and handle baggage on pass passenger flights. If the contract extension through 2026 is ratified by a vote of the union members at Alaska, they'll get raises on August 10th ranging from 8.9% to 174 the airline is still embroiled in contract talks with its pilot union. Juneau Raptor Center is not currently taking any birds in due to concerns over the avian flu. Kathy Benner is the manager of the center. She explained a direction she had received from the federal government on taking in birds. Because we don't know what birds have 
the bird flu and what birds don't, we have been, um, and basically we haven't been ordered, but it's like, it's like, it's like a recommendation that we do not pick up and bring birds into our clinics. Now, I think if you, if some of these raptor centers are much larger than us, they have their own standalone facility. They have um, an intake room. They can quarantine. We can't do any of that here in Juneau because our clinic is basically one room. So uh, we are not picking up any birds at the moment. If you find a bird, Brenner says to call the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. She said their hotline number is 1-866-527-3358. Brenner says if you find a bird in the roadway, try the hotline first. However, if you can't reach anyone, you can assist if precautions are taken. What they should do before they, they shouldn't touch it, and they should call that hotline, and they will give them instructions on what to do. If it's a situation where they can't get a hold of anyone, or like this eagle last week that was right in the middle of the road, um, we recommend, and actually U.S. Fish and Wildlife recommends, putting on a mask and putting on gloves just to protect yourself. And then just, you know, washing up really well afterwards. The main thing is just to get it out of the middle of the road. That's Kathy Benner, the manager of the Juneau Raptor Center. While appearing on Action Line at the Ketchikan Radio Center, state veterinarian Dr. Robert Gerlach said Wednesday that multiple cases of pathogenic avian flu have been detected in the city and borough of Sitka area. Down in the uh, Sitka city and borough area, uh, I think we've had... uh, five cases uh, of the highly pathogenic avian influenza, and then we had one case of uh, a different strain of avian influenza or a low pathogenic strain, which is normally uh, always uh, present in, in wild birds, these, these other, uh, other strains of avian influenza. It's just this uh, unique year that we've had this introduction of this highly pathogenic strain, uh, which has caused a big problem in both uh, domestic and wildlife. Gerlach said Sitka has seen half a dozen confirmations of the H5N1 virus. We had uh, six total uh, from the, uh, the Sitka area, our borough there, uh, and uh, uh, that we've had confirmed for the uh, H5N1. And, uh, and then one, like I said, was a low pathogenic strain. Overall, there have been a, a large number of reported cases. Uh, so when we look at detections in bald eagles, that's probably one of the the larger uh, groups of uh, raptors that uh, have been affected. And I think there have been 164 cases across the United States and in 25 different states. For those who want to track cases, it can be accomplished at the state veterinarian's website. Gerlach says detections of the virus are happening all over the state and sampling continues. At this point, we're seeing it in, uh, have detections in, uh, uh, western, southwestern Alaska, out on the uh, uh, the Alaska Peninsula and Aleutian Islands, uh, down in the Panhandle, and then throughout southeast, uh, and then some up in the interior uh, around Delta Fairbanks area. <clears throat> We're assuming that we pretty much have the influenza virus in wild birds across the state. It's just that we haven't had uh, sampling done across the state just because of the challenges of having a, a widely diverse uh, uh, state and, uh, and then having limited uh, you know, collection or, or observers in other areas of the state. Gerlach added that local, state, and federal partners are assisting in the detection of the virus. 
ABC News is reporting on the latest effort by President Joe Biden to institute a three-month national gas tax holiday. ABC's Mary Bruce reports. The president knows that he has to try and do something or at least show that he is doing everything he can to try and bring down gas prices and to try and bring some relief to Americans as gas hits, you know, nearly five dollars a gallon. Uh, yes, it's 18 cents a gallon that you would feel, uh, you know, if you're, you're the average driver. But but that does add up. Uh, I think in a day, Gas Buddy estimates that, that about 70 million dollars would be saved by American consumers. So that's not nothing. Uh, and the president knows that he has to show the American people that he is trying to to do this. Some Republicans are calling the gas tax holiday a gimmick. However, ABC's Andy Fields has that story. The gas tax holiday would drop prices 18 cents a gallon for the next few months. Republican Senator John Barrasso says it won't make a difference, but more drilling will. It is time, Mr. President, to stop the gimmicks and unleash American energy. The president says oil companies have 9,000 unused leases and plenty of oil. Andy Field, ABC News, Washington. In Juneau, the average price for a gallon of gas was $5.42 yesterday and $5.42 for diesel. That's up from a month ago when a gallon of gas was $4.80 and $5.10 for diesel. U.S. Interior Secretary Deb Holland says the federal government has responsibility to Native American tribes, Alaska Native villages, and Native Hawaiian communities to fully support education, language, and cultural practices that prior boarding school policies sought to destroy. She testified Wednesday before a U.S. Senate committee on legislation to establish a national commission on truth and healing to address ongoing trauma stemming from the legacy of Native American boarding schools in the United States. Tribal leaders and advocates from Maine to Alaska and Hawaii joined Holland in voicing their support. They say a commission would offer a path for many to have their personal stories validated. A ribbon-cutting for the new Rotary Park Pavilion in Juneau happened on Wednesday evening in the Valley. The new pavilion was built last fall, and families have already been using it. But Michelle Strickler, president of the Glacier Valley Rotary Club, said now was the time to celebrate its construction. We're so excited. The shelter was built a little bit late in the fall last year. And as you remember, we had a really tough winter. So we kind of lost the opportunity to have a beautiful evening to celebrate with the community. So we are so excited for the community to come out today, have a hot dog dinner, get some door prizes, listen to some great music and ribbon cut this beautiful new pavilion that we're all going to enjoy for years to come. Strickler spoke to the mission of Rotary International. The mission of Rotary is service above self, and we look for ways we can engage in our community, with our community, to meet needs. And Strickler said the pavilion will be a place of celebration for years to come. What's so special about Rotary Park to us is that we know that play is an important part of every child's experience growing up. It creates a place of safety and creativity and fun, and this park is part of a lot of kids' lives, including our kids' lives. Um, so we're excited to see many, many generations enjoy this park for years to come. Strickler said that both the city's Parks and Rec and Clinton and Haida Central Council contributed $35,000 towards the project. The Juneau Community Foundation provided funding via their Parks and Trails Fund, and matching grant funding was provided from the state. The tap water for the city and borough of Sitka has been recognized nationally after taking second place at the American Water Works Association Taste Test Competition. The event was held in San Antonio, Texas pitted Sitka against 25 other competitors from the U.S. and Canada. 
Shiloh Williams is the environmental superintendent for Sitka. She says the water in the borough comes from a pristine source. Our source water comes from Blue Lake, and Blue Lake is a pristine water source. Um, It's so pristine that we actually have a filtration avoidance waiver, so that means we don't have to filter our surface water, which is uh, kind of a rare thing. There's not a lot of those waivers across the country. So we have a really pure source. We provide minimal treatment, low chemical addition, and we have a fantastic operations team that ensures we deliver safe, uh, reliable drinking water to, to our communities. While Sitka took second place nationally, it won Alaska's competition by default. Williams says the water in Sitka is well cultivated and consistently monitored. We monitor our water 24-7 for a number of constituents. You know, we're looking at pH, turbidity, our chlorine levels. Um, So we're we're just, we're constantly monitoring to make sure that uh, we're, we're providing the safe drinking water to our community. And like I said, we have minimal treatment, so our chlorine dosage is really low. Uh, so there's, you know, not a lot of uh, taste or odor um, associated with the chlorine that we add. We we add a little fluoride to help reduce dental caries, and some soda ash, which uh, raises the pH just a little bit to help uh, reduce uh, corrosion of lead and copper in the pipe. So very, very minimal treatment is needed uh, with our pristine water source. Williams thanked her team at the city for their work on water. Preparations are underway at Capital City Fire and Rescue for this year's 4th of July parade in Juneau. Fire Chief Rich Etheridge with that word on Action Line. Uh, right now they're organizing the apparatus that's going to be in the parade, making sure that's all cleaned up. Uh, they're getting uh, people to walk around the apparatus that way. You know, as they're tossing uh, taffy out to kids that nobody gets hit by one of the tires or something like that. So we want to be really safe because across the country, you know, injuries happen in parades all the time. So we want to be extra cautious. He was asked what other vehicles from the department will join in. We'll uh, probably have a couple of fire engines and a couple of the antique fire engines uh, that we've got. Uh, We've also talked about putting like uh, our ATVs in, in the parade this year also. Fire Chief Rich Etheridge. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.